All right, you may be seated. So we're going to be spending the next uh, few weeks on more of a topical um, discussion concerning church order and, and structure within the church, with then the focus being on deacons, uh, the role of the deacons in the church. So the goal of this is that, uh, that I want to begin adding uh, some deacons into the leadership of the church. The Second London Baptist Confession of Faith says in chapter 26, paragraph 8 of, of the church, it says that a particular church, so, or a local church, gathered and completely organized according to the mind of Christ, consists of officers and members. And then it gives, it says the officers of the church, uh, it gives some, some details on, on what they do, but then it says the officers of the church are, are bishops or elders, so those are synonymous, and deacons. So um, that is the way that the Church of Christ ought to be structured. So well, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. We're going to, we'll read the, the chapter here, the first, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, where we see the biblical warrant for the, for the statement like that uh, that we find in the confession there. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, I will read the entire chapter. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop, then, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest, being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, as we come to this passage of Scripture, we do again come to you to appeal for the power of the Holy Spirit here this morning to be among us, Lord, to help in preaching your word and making it clear, Lord, from, from your word concerning this topic. Father, we pray for the power of the Spirit in our hearts to, uh, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to edify us, to build us up in our faith. Father, we do... Uh, we do pray that you would be glorified here as we consider this, that you would be glorified in this church. Father, we, we, uh, we thank you for, for your goodness to us, and we just ask that as we move forward as a church and look to, uh, in the future, to add deacons into the structure and leadership of the church. Father, we pray that all would be done according to your will, and we pray that all would be done for your glory and with the, the goal of, the, of the, uh, the advancement of your church here on this earth. So we thank you again for your goodness to us, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So before we begin looking at deacons specifically, I want to first look at the, the structure of the church, that statement that we found in the confession um, there that, uh, that says that we have elders or officers, which are elders of deacons, and Members, so to see why why Christ has structured the church that way, because understanding the structure or uh, understanding the structure and the organization of the church, understanding the purpose of the church, it's going to help understand 
the biblical role of deacons and and the the, the structure of elders and deacons in a, as leaders in the church comes from this passage here that we read in in First Timothy. So. If you look in verse 14 and 15 in chapter 3, there are 1 Timothy, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of, of the truth. So Paul is writing, saying, if I'm delayed, this is how you ought to conduct yourselves. This is how you need to structure yourselves, maybe we could say that. There. But notice what Paul says here about the, the church. He says the church is the house of God. Probably a better better word would be the household of God. Remember in Philemon, when we just uh, we just completed Philemon, we saw Philemon was the master in a in a house over a household. That was the, the, the structure of the of the Roman society, but that's the idea of the concept being conveyed here as well, that there's a master over a over a, a household of of you know, the household is made up of, it has a various structure to it. But we have here, the church is God's household. God, or Christ, is the master, and we are, and the church is the, the household here. But notice what he says about the, about the household. The, 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 it's the church of the living God. It's the pillar and the ground of the truth, or pillar and the mainstay of the, of the truth, the main support of truth. So the church is the is the, the 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 household of the living God, but it functions then to preserve, to uphold, to to put forward the uh, the the truth, to uphold the truth. That means that it's the church's job to see that truth is upheld, that the the, the truth that God has has revealed in this in the scriptures that He has. Um, it's the church is to see that that is rightly taught um, as, as per the scriptures, um, the doctrine contained in the scriptures, that that's taught to the people and that, uh, and that is defended as well from attacks from without to undermine the truth. So the, the church is there to, to uphold the truth. So doctrine does matter. That's, um, so often we find, oh, doctrine divides or, you know, just give me, give me, you know, Give me Jesus, and, and I don't need doctrine. That, that's such a such a nonsensical statement because you don't understand Jesus without doctrine. Doctrine does matter. Truth does matter, but not not truth without any practical application as well. Not just truth as head knowledge, as I say so often. Not just truth so we can win, you know, internet debates about uh, about um, doctrinal topics. But it's it's. It is doctrine lived out. Think of all that we've been talking about in, as we went through Colossians and, and Proverbs um, as well here. Man was created as an image bearer of God with true knowledge of, of God, truth. He had truth, which is, which is grounded in the knowledge of God. He was created as the image bearer of God. He had the knowledge of God. The purpose of being an image bearer was to manifest that knowledge of God right and wrong, godly character in their lives. That's, um, so it's not just about, so the church is not just about relearning that knowledge that we've suppressed as, as those who've rejected God in, the, in, in our past until we, were, until we were saved. It's not just relearning the knowledge, but it's living that. It's being, living that out through true wisdom, but manifesting the truth in our lives. We have been redeemed for that purpose of imaging God again. Um, so, so um, the more we learn of who he is, the more we can image him, the more, the more he's glorified in our lives. That's what it means for us to glorify God. God is glorified in us when we image him, when we reflect his, his holy character by living in obedience to his laws. And so learning doctrine, learning theology, that's the process of increasing in the knowledge of God. But then... We, so, but the purpose, so that we can live more in accordance with his holy character, to be holy as he is holy. So God's assembly, God's, God's church, God's people, they are the ones who should, who, who should earnestly contend for the truth, uphold the truth, support the truth. We are to be a pillar and mainstay um, 
for the truth, like, like pillars and, and mainstays would hold up a building. That is, the, that is the church. But within the church, it is not a every man for himself type of um, type of, of structure there. And every, every man living in accordance with his own interpretation of the Bible, whatever you know, he thinks something means and, and can interpret his own ways. And it's not, it's not every man for himself there. God has put structure in the, into his household. So we don't end up with every man doing what's right in his own eyes. That, um, that's what happened in the days of the judges. You, we're probably familiar with that statement. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Why? Because in those days, there was no king in Israel. There was no leadership in Israel. So where there's no leadership and no structure, it ends in chaos. That's what the book of Judges um, teaches us very, shows us very, very clearly. It ends in just utter chaos in, uh, in Israel because there was no king in the land. But that's why Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I'm writing this so that you know how to conduct yourselves in God's church. This is how you structure yourself as the, as the people of God. God implemented structure into his church to, in, to ensure that she would remain the, the pillar and the mainstay of, uh, of the truth. So, so first of all, then God appointed, he appointed um, household managers over his uh, over his household stewards stewards is the is the word that we use in the bible that that indicates uh, household manager this is what we call elders in the church elders are household managers turn to titus uh, for a moment titus uh, chapter 1 verse 7 for a a bishop um, or an overseer must be blameless as a steward of god not self-willed, not quick-tempered, um, etc. A steward or an overseer, the one who's an overseer in the house, he is he is a he is a steward. He's a household manager there. So the um, the he provides the leadership in the household of God. In Luke in Luke chapter twelve, verse uh, verse forty-two, Jesus is giving there the parable of the faithful and faithful versus an unfaithful. Um, servant, and Jesus says at the end of that, who then is the faithful and wise steward whom his master will make to be the ruler or the leader over his household? So that's the idea there. Steward, leading, ruling over the over the household. And again, think of Joseph. Last week we read in um, in our afternoon service, we read about Joseph in, um, in Potiphar's house. Potiphar made him, it says, Potiphar made him overseer of his house and all that he had, he put under his authority. So that's what an elder is in the, in the church. He is a steward in God's house, household manager, to ensure that the church functions for the purpose for, for, uh, of upholding the truth and to upholding the truth not only in doctrine but also in living as well. In um, that that the people of God in the church are manifesting the the truth through their lives. Uh, there that we're living out, living out the truth, so that God is glorified in us. If you're still in, in Titus, um, look at verse nine. Holding fast, this is in, in regards to the overseers or to, to the elders. Um, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convict those who contradict. So, so he's to be holding fast. The faithful word. He's to be strong in sound doctrine. He has to. He has to know doctrine. He has to understand it. He has to be solid in that. He has to be learning that for the purpose that he can exhort the people of God in that same truth and and and, and teach them and encourage them in uh, in that and build them up, but also so that he can defend it against those um, who contradict. And, and, and also be able to convict them, he says here as well, but to defend, to be a defense of the, the truth as well. Turn to Ephesians 4 for a moment. Ephesians chapter 4, very um, instructive passage. We've looked at this several times uh, in, the, in the not so distant past. Ephesians chapter 4, start reading at um, verse 8 there uh, in the chapter 4. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive 
and he gave gifts to men. So he's speaking of Christ and his ascension. And then jump down to verse 11. And he himself gave some to the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto, into him who is the head, Christ. So the perfect, so Christ ascend, ascended on high. He, he started his church. He is, then he ascended on high and he gave the apostles and prophets. He gave van, evangelists and pastors and teachers for the purpose of, of, being, of the church being the, the, the pillar and the ground of truth. So that we understand truth, so that we come to a unity of the faith. He says their knowledge of the Son of God. Remember, I said I said truth is is founded upon knowledge of who God is to a perfect man or a complete man. That's the that's the the man who images Christ, who's reached that that uh, his his telos as a image bearer of God. That's the goal of the church, working toward in every individual and corporately that we're imaging. God to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we look like fully like Christ, not carried about with every wind of doctrine. So that is the role of the elders there, that he is leading the people, that he's that that, that they are they are committed to sound doctrine, to teach to teach sound doctrine so that the people can image their God for which they were created. The, the elder is not a boss. He's not a he's not uh, he's not commanding the people what to do and and and, and you know whipping them into shape. We, sometimes we use that uh, that type of language, but that's not what an elder does. He does not he does not command people what to do. He does not dictate the the actions of the of the church, but he is a leader. He leads He's leading means you're at the front. He leads by example, so he, he, he instructs in the doctrine, and he and then he and also gives a practical application, teaching what does this look like? Why why is this important to know this? How can we apply that in our lives? But then he lives that out himself as well. Let's go back to First Timothy again. First Timothy, chapter four. Now look at verse um, verse six. And if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance, for to this end... We both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach and let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So the, the, the minister needs to be nourished. Elders need to be nourished in the words of faith and good doctrine, as he says here. They need to teach that to the congregation, and they need to live that out in their own lives as an example for others to follow. And this again, this is all in in pursuit of upholding the truth, of of being that, of, of ensuring that the church is the pillar and the mainstay of the truth. That they, they they live that out as well. They put their lives on their their lives. It's on display in their lives of godly living. For, the, for, for God's glory. So that is the role of the elders. Now obviously that places a big responsibility on the elders, massive responsibility, tasked with the spiritual oversight, the spiritual growth, the spiritual well-being of the, of the people of God. It's, it, being an elder is not, in, in a church, being a pastor is not so that you can, you can quit a job that you don't like and that you can study theology all week and, and then get to display on Sunday what you, 
you know, how much knowledge you have, how much you've learned. That's not, that's not, that's not what it is to be an elder. An elder, you are responsible for souls. You are responsible for, for, for the, the, the conformity, their conformity to Christ. Remember what Paul said, I believe it was to the Corinthians, I, I, I want to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's the role of the elder, to present the church as that, as that chaste virgin to Christ, godly living. Elders are there to teach and model for the, for the people how to be Christ-like, responsible for the, their sanctification. That's another word that we use, which just means being conformed to Christ. Responsible for their sanctification for, of the people over whom God has given him oversight. And one day he will have to give an account of that before God. He will have to give an account for the souls of the people that were given into into his care. Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive the stricter judgment. That's why an elder needs to be committed to sound doctrine. That's why he has to be apt to teach or able to teach so that he can so that he can teach that. And he has to be able to lead by example. Turn turn ahead to uh, Hebrews chapter 13 for a moment. Hebrews 13 verse 17. Obey those who rule over you or who lead you um, should, is what it should say there, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for it, for that would be unprofitable for you. That's what we need in elders. When we look for elders, that is what we look for, that earnest desire for the spiritual well-being, Christ-likeness of the people of God. Not someone who likes to tell people what to do, not someone who... who um, you know, wants to command people, wants to control lives. No, somebody who teaches sound doctrine, gives the practical application, and lives that out genuinely as an example. Look at verse 18 in Hebrews 13. Pray for us, he says, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live, excuse me, desiring to live honorably. That was, that was his desire there, Paul or, or whoever wrote Hebrews here, the desire to live honorably, but he says here, pray for us. Pray for us. That's no, that's no easy task. It's a big responsibility, and, and and as much as we strive, as much as we as we as we, you know, strive to live honorably, we still fail. We still fall short. We still we still don't live honorably and and, and be that true example that we ought to be. So we need we need much. Prayer. I was reading a book this week from a man named Alexander Strock about um, about biblical structure on on this topic, and he says here he says if your elders offend you and you want to put them down, put them down on your prayer list. So you know elders, you know as much as we strive, as much as we strive to to live honorably, we will fail. We will probably offend you, but you know. Rather than, if you want to put them down, put them on your prayer list. We need much prayer, much grace to carry out this, this responsibility. A big responsibility, an important one, concerns souls. And that takes, that takes time, that takes dedication, it takes diligence to be able to carry out a responsibility like that. Week after week to ensure that the elder is, is still, that, that, that he's spiritually growing, that he's staying grounded in the truth. And not straying from the faith, and then working to lead the sheep to those same those same green pastures to feed their souls, and so that they grow and and um, and, and 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 can feed from the word on the word of God. <clears throat> Turn to Acts twenty for a moment. Acts Acts twenty, verse twenty eight. So this is Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. He um, he called from Miletus. He didn't go back to Ephesus after all the, the chaos that happened there the last time he was there. So he, he called the Ephesian elders um, to come meet him in Miletus. And he says to them, the elders there, he says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. So take heed to yourselves. So... 
ensure that you are growing, ensure that you are, are spiritually grounded in the truth there, and that you are growing, and that your life is an example. And take heed to the flock, take heed to the church, so that you can, so for, for their growth as well, that you are leading them. Why? Well, he says, after that, savage wolves, verse 29, after my departure, savage wolves are going to come in. They're going to, there's, good, there's those who have a desire to lead the sheep astray, to lead, to lead sheep in, in, into heresy, false doctrines, um, unbiblical teaching. No, the, he says here, be on guard, take heed, be on guard to yourself, and always be on the alert. That is the primary focus of the elder there, the spiritual health and uh, of every member of his church. And so that is, that is what the role of the, of the elder is. Now, that also places a big responsibility then on the people, on the, on the, on the members of the church, whether, whether you're a member on paper or whether you, you know, you're a regular attendee. Um, that's a big responsibility. If the, if the elder is there, his, he must give an account to God for, for how he has led you and how you have conformed to the image of Christ, then that's, there's, just a, there's a big responsibility for you as well. First, the, first, the responsibility to have that same desire of, of your own Christ-likeness as he does for you. That's why we've been going, and that's what we've seen in our study of Proverbs in, the, in our afternoon service there. Proverbs is, is teaching us true wisdom. How can we be Christ-like in everything that we do? So we need to have that desire to be Christ-like ourselves. And then, to have, and then we also have to see the necessity then to willfully place yourself under the leadership of a godly, qualified elder. Go back to Hebrews uh, 13 again. So, yeah, Hebrews 13, verse 17. I looked at it from the responsibility of the, of the, the pastor there. But it's actually, actually speaking to the, to the sheep. In Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 17, he says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Now, the word obey, it actually is the word, it's the passive word, uh, or the passive form of the word uh, to persuade. So it's, it's actually be persuaded, or literally, it's be persuaded by those who rule over you or those who lead you. Realize that. That, that this is, that the elder in the church is God's gift, is Christ, the ascended Christ's gift to you for your spiritual growth, for your conformity to Christ. So use the means that God has given. He's given you this as a gift. Come to church, be taught, be led, be willing to be led um, in, the, in the church so that to, to, be, to be persuaded, be willing to be led in, in your conformity to Christ. That is your responsibility in, uh, in, uh, in the church as a member of Christ's church. And that is, and then it's also your responsibility to live out that Christ-like character um, within the church as well, to have a willingness to serve one another in the church. Being a, we're all members. Remember how Paul talks about the church as, as, a, as the body of Christ? We're all members of that. Every, every, Every person is a different body part of that one body. Everybody has to be functioning and doing their part for the body to function as a whole. Everyone we serve one another, love one another, build up one another. So, so it's important to understand here that having structured leadership in a church, because it, because there's leaders, there's officers, and there's um, and there's members. That does not negate the responsibility of the members, because the, just because the leaders have uh, have responsibility and um, to for the for the upholding of the truth, that doesn't negate the, the responsibility of the of the entire body to be doing their part. You know, the, we don't we don't want to think. Well, I go to a church and yeah, the, the pastor he's he's preaching sound doctrine and and um, you know he's 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 uh, He's talking about godly living and, and you know, oh, that, it's a good church. No, you need to be striving to do the same thing in your life so that it's, so that it's a good church, so that Christ church is a, is, a, is a good church, if you want to say that, that we're doing what we call to living, living 
lives of obedience to Christ, upholding, setting forth the truth in our lives. You know, you don't want to think, oh, we've got deacons in the church that, to, to care for all, uh, all of the, um, you know, just care for things. We don't need to worry about others in the church. We don't need to serve. No, that's, that's not at all what we want to think. We want to think, you know, Christ-like, being Christ-like means serving others in the church in whatever capacity we're able to. That we serve, we serve others, we, we do our part as the body. And that's how we serve Christ. That's how, we, that's how we're Christ-like. Remember we saw Matthew 25 a few weeks ago. Um, there, as much as you did this unto the least of, of, of one of these, you did it unto me. So serving, serving others is how we serve Christ, and that's how the body of Christ functions as a, as a living body. So, so as, I, as I said already, but just to sum up, the existence of leadership in the design of the church, both in, in, in having elders and deacons, it, um, it, it does not mean that you know, everyone does not have a part to play in the body in, in living out her purpose of upholding truth, both in doctrine and in practice. We all have that responsibility. But that's, that, is, um, that is the responsibility of the members. We've seen the elders. We sidestep to look at the members. Now, Let's go back again and, and, uh, and move towards the deacons. So we've seen that the, the, the role, the responsibility of elders as stewards, as household managers of the, of the, of the church. They're the ones, they're, they're at the front, they're leading, leading the charge and upholding the truth through, through their teaching, through their godly example. But we know that there is, there's a lot more in the life of the church uh, to, to keep a, a church functioning than simply teaching sound doctrine and, and, and having you know sermons on that and exemplifying godly character in our lives. There's a lot more, uh, a lot more that goes on in the life of a church. And that, now that's going to differ in, in, in every church. There's going to be differences of how much is, how much extra you know else goes on outside of that depends on on the, the spiritual maturity of the church as a whole it depends on the size of the church of course it depends on things like whether you own your own building or not uh, there's so many different variables of, of all this other stuff that goes on that but that is necessary to allow the church to function as as that as a healthy body of Christ so that leads us then into into the other official position in the church is that of deacons so knowing the role of the church and and the, uh, as, a, as a whole and the role of the elders within the church that helps us to understand the role of the deacons that's why i spent so much time on that at um uh at the at the outset here so that we understand where do the deacons fit into all of this so first though we need to we do need to understand this is deacons it is an official position in the church the uh um, it's not that this is some sort of a tradition that the church has come up with. No, this is it is in the the scriptures. We find it twice in the New Testament. Um, the, the the position of de of deacons, and it comes always with right twice. It comes in with discussion about elders as well. Right where we've seen in First Timothy um, chapter chapter three that we read there the first uh, first seven verses are talking about the elders in the church and then he says likewise deacons as well and he goes on to talk about deacons um, and he gives he gives the specific qualifications um, for them there so when he says when he says in, uh, in, in here when he says um, gives these qualifications for a deacon this indicates to us that not everyone, is um, is is a, a deacon in the in the church that there are that some people qualify some people don't qualify so we so we can tell it's a very it's a select specific individual needed for a specific and select role in the church you can turn back to Philippians chapter one as well and that's another place that we see it the listed together Philippians chapter one. Verse 1, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops or with or overseers and the deacons. So we have 
we have it there as well. You got the saints, and you have the bishops and the deacons that make up the church there. So it is it is a biblically recognized position of of authority, position of leadership in the church. So what exactly then do deacons do? Why does the church have have deacons? If we asked twenty different people that, we'd probably get twenty different answers as to what what is a deacon what is a deacon ought to um, ought to do in a church. Why do we have deacons? Everything from being the janitor to being the worship leader to to the you know the treasurer and, and everything in between there. But one thing that we probably could say is that all the answers we could probably sum it all up in uh, as that a deacon is somebody who donates his time and just serves uh, serves the needs of the church. Now a deacon most definitely does do that. But as I said already, we're all supposed to be serving in the church. So we're all members of that body. We all play that role. We're all called to, to serve. But that doesn't make us all deacons, as, we, as we've seen already. There's, there's qualifications that have to be met. So, so, the fact, so we're not all deacons. And neither does just being someone who's willing to serve in the church, who cuts the grass and who mops the floors and stays after church to clean up. That doesn't automatically make someone a deacon as well. There, so there's they 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 have to meet these certain qualifications, and that coincides with the role of uh, of the deacon there. So, but there is a reason why we tend to think that deacons are just those who serve, you know, give of their time, and just just are those who are just willing to serve in the church, and that makes someone a deacon. So, the the reason why we why we do think that is for one is that Paul never actually states. Or any of the, anywhere in the Bible, does it ever exactly or, or specifically state what the role of the deacon is? For the elders, he makes it very clear: you're the household manager. You are the you are to uphold the truth. You're to preach the word. You're to tend to the flock. You're to see to their spiritual nourishment. But the Bible never makes any type of statement. Then okay, and then this is what the deacons do. They do they do this and this. So it's not there clearly stated. Um, the other, the other reason why I think we probably are always just tend to think of just simply as servants um, is that is that the the Bible so often the Bible translates the word um, that we use that we get deacon from translates it as servant. So the uh, the word in, in the Greek is is diakonos. Probably heard that before, but it's just that's a transliteration. Deacon is just a transliteration of that word. A transliteration means we just take the, the letters in the, in the Greek and we just turn them in English letters. We remove the, the you know the, the the ending off the Greek ending os off of there, so we just get diakon is is the transliteration. But that doesn't give us the um, the the meaning of the word. Um, so the only two times in the Bible that the word is translated as deacons is in those two passages that I just read where we see them as a position next to the elders, Philippians 1.1 1, 1 and 1 Timothy 3. So several times, in, in, it, it does show up several times in, in um, 1 Timothy 3, but all in that same little section that we read there. Now everywhere else that it's used, that's about 30 times or so, is that it's translated as servant, sometimes as minister but almost always as servant. And that's not a mistranslation um, by any means, but it doesn't fully convey the, the whole idea. But, it's, but that translation is where we get the idea then that you know, to be a diakonos, to be a deacon, is just to be a servant, to serve someone, something, something in some way. And then deacons are just those who serve in the church in a certain way, who are willing to, to give their time to serve. But we need to... We need to better understand that word. We need to also see them and then incorporate that into our understanding of the elders. And that's going to help us to better identify the role, the purpose of a deacon. So um, the, the main Greek lexicon it's called, which is dictionary essentially, gives us this definition of the word diakonos in the Greek. It says, someone who gets something done at the behest of a superior, an assistant. So, an assistant. That's why Paul refers to himself in several places that he's a diakonos of God. He's he is he's working at the behest of God, at the at the at the authoritative request of God, and he's carrying out the spread of the gospel. So, um, so then within the within the structure of the church itself, now 
as we're, we're looking at the church here, when it comes to this official position that is that we that we call deacon, then we need to take that meaning of the word into consideration. Deacon is one who gets something done at the behest of a superior. Behest is 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 like a, a like an authoritative request, we might say. Um, at the, but at the behest of a superior, so who is, or, or an assistant. So who is the superior in the church? Well, we've just seen that. That, are, that is the elders. They are the household managers. So deacons then are assistants to the, to the elders in leading and in carrying, uh, in caring, sorry, for the flock. Um, turn to Acts chapter 19 for a moment. Acts chapter 19, verse... 21. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a while. Two of those who ministered to him. It's a it's one noun in the in the Greek, and it's and it um it's the word diakonos there. Well, it's, sorry, it's, it's not a noun, but it's, a, it's an adjective um, there, but, uh, but from the word diakonos. Now, some translations, tra some translations will say assistants, some will say ESV, and others will say helpers, some will just say those who ministered to him. But the idea there is that they are his assistants. Paul, he sent into Macedonia two of his assistants, Timothy and Erastus. So, they were, they, were, they were his assistants. They were not his personal servants. Now, I'm not saying Timothy and Erastus were, carried the official position of deacon in this um, situation here. I, I'm not sure, but Paul is using the word there to help us understand the, uh, the, the concept of their assisting him. They were not his, when it says two of those who ministered to him, that doesn't mean that they were his personal servants, that, you know, that they waved palm branches over him as, to, to keep him cool as they traveled or, or you know, whatever. They weren't his personal servants there. Deacons are not personal servants to the elders um, to, to, you know, serve his own needs. No, the deacons are to assist the elders in enabling the elder to, to fulfill his responsibility that he has as, as, uh, as to the Lord as a steward over, over the Lord's household. That's why I spent the time up front here discussing the role of the elder as the overseer and that weight of responsibility that he has to provide for the spiritual oversight of the church. And, and because taking uh, or having a functioning church, it takes so much more than just having a sermon to preach on, on Sunday or, or two sermons. There, there's, there's so many different extra duties there. And if those extra duties begin to prevent the elder from focusing on his, um, on his primary responsibility, then the deacons can come in as assistants to the elder and they can carry out those duties that allow the elder to stay focused on, on his mission. There, that, does, um, that doesn't mean that elders only preach and teach, and deacons need to do everything, um, everything else. There's a lot more to caring for people's souls than just simply, um, simply a Sunday sermon. But if the if the elder is is having to mow the grass and unclog the toilets and 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 you know all whatever all those things, um, you know to take care of finances and 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 all that, you know he's he he's going to be distracted from his primary responsibility. And as I said earlier, that is going to vary um, greatly in, from church to church, depending on the size of the church, the needs of the church, the circumstances within the personal lives of the, of the people of the church, their, their spiritual maturity as a whole. It's all going to, to vary. Sometimes an elder, he's going to be able to take care of all of those, um, all of those duties, or, or, or maybe some of those duties. He's not immune from those excuse me, from those uh, extra duties for the life of a church. But the elders of the church need to have the time so that they can see um, to it that they are fulfilling their primary role of upholding, teaching the truth, defending the truth. Turn to Acts chapter 6 for a good example 
of this. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected, neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So these, these seven men here that are chosen, they're not, they're not um, labeled as deacons here. They only just get the, the name the seven. Um, but we see that principle applied here of assisting the apostles in this case, not the elders, but the apostles. It's the principle here. The, the situation is that the, the Hellenist widows are seemingly feeling like they're neglected by the church. And the apostles said, if we go to serve tables, if, we're gonna, if we have to go see all of the, the financial needs of these, of these widows, we are going to be neglecting our study of the word of God and our having time in prayer. So they choose these seven men then to assist the apostles, the apostles in, in seeing to the needs of the widows. See, it's not that, that the apostles didn't care about the widows and they're like, oh, we couldn't be bothered, that's beneath us. No, they knew the importance of having to focus on, on prayer and the ministry of the word they're, through their own personal study of it and growing in that and, and, and teaching it to the, to the believers as the church grew in Jerusalem here. So, um, so and again, this is... This is um, this is just an example. This does not limit the the role of deacon to only serving tables in the sense of only only you know dealing with financial gifts to those who are struggling or whatever. That's that's not that's this does not limit the role in any way. This is just one example here of of them coming in to assist so that the elders could stay or the apostles here could stay focused. Alexander Strock again I quoted it earlier. He says it this way: deacons. Best assist the elders by helping them to keep their focus on the supreme importance of feeding, guiding, and protecting God's flock by the, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, which he's quoting from Ephesians 1 there. So, best assist the elders by helping them keep their focus on the supreme importance of feeding, guiding, and protecting God's flock by the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. That's why we see when we when we look at First Timothy, the we see the el or the deacons, sorry, have have virtually the same character qualifications as the elders. They need to have that humble, kind, caring leadership mentality that desires spiritual growth, desires the health of uh, and spiritual health of each person in the church. The only difference is, is that they don't have they don't need to have the ability to teach. Um, that's where the elders come in. But the deacons need to have the same desire, the same vision, the same mindset as the elders so that they can assist them with that same goal in mind there. So deacons are not, are not um, functioning as a separate entity from elders. You don't have elders in a church and then you have deacons, um, you know, deacons that sort of function as a separate group of officers in the church. They're, they're not autonomous. They don't, that means they don't you know, get to make their own decisions things like that. No, the elders in the church are the leaders. The deacons, they're, they're not checks and balances to the elders and their decisions. No, they are assistants to the elders as, that, as the uh, dictionary defined it there. Those who get something done at the behest of a superior. Not slaves, not personal servants, assistants in increasing, maintaining, upholding setting forth, being the pillar and mainstay of the truth through upholding the, the spiritual health of the church, the spiritual growth, the commitment to truth, commitment to godliness in the flock of Christ in his church. So that, that gives us then the role and the purpose of deacons in the church, to assist the elders in the care of the church and that, so that for the spiritual health, the spiritual well-being, the upholding of the truth in doctrine and in practice. So what is the, the process then of, of uh, putting, adding deacons 
into the church. So the, the process that, um, that, that, we, that we have, which follows the biblical process there, we, to identify, to have the names put forward of men in question, then there's a testing period. Turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 3 again for a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. But let these also first be tested, or examined, or tried. Then let them serve as deacons, having been found blameless. So, so there's a testing period. So we put names for testing period, then, then a vote. Um, we can get into all the, the reasoning behind that, and then, um, and then installation. We can do that in subsequent messages. Um, there is, but for now, um, I have identified two men in our church um, who have exemplified this willingness to, to, to lead the same uh, willingness to serve would, but for the um, to assist in the care of the church I should, I should say it that way two men who have identified um, who have exemplified this that I've seen it's been a year next next Lord's Day Lord willing will be one year since we started as a as a you know official church plant there I've had time to you know to get to know all of you and these two men have really stood stood out and those two men are Hans Kroll and Bram Van Dahl. so these are the two men in question that um, that we we as we go as we next we, next week and and I'm not sure how long will it'll take us to go through all this but um, or, or the, the sermons on the on the topic here as we look at qualifications things like that these are the men in question these who we as the the people of God the the, the members of the church the ones who know these ones are the are the means God uses to determine of do these men meet the qualifications or not so. Um, you know, these are the brothers that we are to take into consideration as we are as we are thinking about this, as we work toward this in our church. So we'll have so so we'll I'll preach a few sermons, a couple more maybe on this, and then um, and then we'll have a couple month testing period where we can we think these things through and and, and just you know monitor maybe or observe we should say in this process. And then, Lord willing, in the fall, we will have a vote and, and the installation, and, um, and and then we can have we can add these brothers in as deacons to the church. So, in the meantime, though, let us let us be praying, praying for these brothers, praying for, pray for them, pray for our church, pray that we follow God's will and His um, in, in, and that we follow the mind of Christ in all that we do as we work towards this there and. And as well, as, as we saw, let's ensure that we are working in our own lives as well to, to uphold the truth, both in doctrine and, and in practice, that, that, um, that our local church here is functioning as we ought to, being a, uh, being a little local pillar and ground of the truth, pillar and mainstay of the truth, and that God is glorified in this process, above all, as, of, of adding deacons to our church and building building this church here. So let us, uh, let's be mindful, let's be prayerful of this, and, and let's be thankful to God as well. We are at this point here in, in our church, another another step as we uh, as we continue to grow as a church, we'll be thankful to God for his goodness and to